0: This is AV Week for week ending Friday, March 25th, 2022. This is all the great AV news you need to hear and see. I'm your guest, Bradford Ben, here to introduce our host with the most and more hair than Matt Scott, Tim Albright. Take it away, please.
1: On this episode of AV Week, Crestron buys one beyond. We wrap up Enterprise Connect in Orlando and the opportunities of UC for AV. All that and more. Next on AV Week.
2: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to?
0: This. This is AV. This. this.
2: This. This is, is AV Nation.
0: Nation. This is AV Nation.
1: This is AV Week, episode 553, recorded Friday, March 25th, 2022. Everything AV.
0: Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Draper.
1: This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With me to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week are three incredible people that I actually got to be in the same town with and I, I almost said hang out with. But I never did find Steph Beckett at Enterprise Connect this week. (laughs) So we were there together and we were on the same show floor at the same time, I'm certain. But how are you, young lady?
2: I, you know, I am good. We were talking about how we are still like exhausted from Enterprise Mm -hmm. Connect and like unclear why that is because I've been to ISC, I've been to Infocom, but Enterprise Connect kind of hits different. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like that's a different kind of tired. Um, but you know, it it was a good show. I think.
1: Good, good. We'll we'll get to. Well, it'll be our first story. Also with us, uh, a, a young lady I got to meet this week, Paige Turner from Shocks. Welcome, ma'am.
3: Hi. Thank y'all so much for having me.
1: Absolutely. And and one thing to point out about Paige is she is using uh, the products that she uh, she was demonstrating at Enterprise Connect. So, uh, listen to that. Uh, and last but not least, a young man that I also got to hang out with uh, this week, Mr. Bradford Ben uh we were all in his hometown for enterprise connect how are you sir uh
0: very happy to be here very tired as steph is and uh looking forward to 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 dissecting what we saw at enterprise connect i'm going to start with the lack of carpeting but i'm sure no one else but me cares because my knees hurt as do steph so i don't feel so old anymore
1: and you, you've you been to a few uh more trade shows than the rest of us um so. yeah you, you would notice. I honestly didn't notice. It wasn't something that like popped in my head. I was like, oh, wow.
0: No, if, if after standing on hard concrete enough, you start to learn. Bill O'Donnell has the same thing about it at uh, yeah. comic conventions, et These are These are things you learn. And then you put dress shoes on it. I don't care if you're a man or a woman or anything else. But if you can't wear comfortable shoes, which you can't when you're dressing and styling like I was. You were. It's just hard to wear to get comfortable on the show floor, and there was no place to sit down. Well, there was a lot of places to sit down. I take that back. But water, I'll let Steph and Paige rant well, let, about the water. The,
1: let's go about what we did learn. So, Steph, let's start with you. <laughs> uh, I will mention the fact that all, all four of us, this was our first uh, experience at Enterprise Connect. Uh, yes. The first time it, it, it happened since 2019, uh, obviously due to COVID. Uh, so, Steph, what's what's one or two things that you're taking away from from this week in Orlando?
2: Sure. Um, the first thing I will say is that the people at this show were so nice. I feel genuinely like every manufacturer I talked to, everyone I met, everyone I like had any type of interaction with, were the kindest people. NAV and UCC. So I I will say that about the show that I genuinely felt so welcomed, so welcomed, and so part of the industry. Um, Just because, you know, in our line of work at Rave, we are normally taking videos of everything on the show floor or as much as we can, and that annoys some people. Some people say no. Some people are like, "Oh my God, not you again! Get out of here!" Um, But everyone at Enterprise Connect was genuinely like happy we were there, and we're like, "Oh, like we're so like." this is great. And, um, I just wasn't used to that, like being so welcomed. So that was lovely. Um, but in terms of like how it was laid out, um, I do feel like, like resources were a little bit scarce. It was difficult. It was difficult to find water. Um, so much so that, uh, just different manufacturers would kind of see me talking and I'd be like hoarse like trying to ask them to shoot a video and they were like, like, are you all right? Can, can we give you some water? And I'd be like, yes, please. (laughs) Um, And so like, that was really nice to everyone who like took pity on me. Um, But I do feel like that could have been a little bit better done. But in terms of the people who were there and the experiences I had and the new connections I made, I will say that probably went really well for me uh, other than just not seeing you guys and not seeing anyone i already knew because i I feel like so many people were like where are you and i was like i i don't know
1: well that was part of the uh the the twitter chatter (laughs)
2: yeah you're like are you here like are you actually here yeah (laughs) yes
0: well it wasn't the best layout in the hotel no you're at the saint charles ballroom huh where that's not even in the same spot
1: uh, but they did have a nice, the the, the, the Gaylord, uh, which is where the, the, the show was, ha- mm-hmm. have, did have a very fancy schmancy um, uh, digital signage mapping system where you could type in what you were looking for and it showed you where to go. Um, most of the time, Bradford and I did have yes. an instance where it sent us to the wrong location. It may have been user error and it probably was because it was probably me. Um, Page Steph, Steph says that, that all the manufacturers there were nice, so that's a nice that's a nice touch. Um, th- I mean, we mentioned the fact that this was yours as what well, your first one as well. What What are you taking away from from Enterprise Connect this year?
3: Yeah, um, so good feedback first. I definitely also completely re- um, agree with Steph, and I can honestly say uh, having been at Infocom and then also having been at CES um, in the last couple months, uh, Enterprise Connect was actually. <laughs> the most fun. (laughs) Um, I just felt like the energy there um, on the show floor and even outside of the show, everybody just seemed to be so excited to just be back in that kind of a space. Um, Everybody that I spoke with was just so, you know, engaged and and just really passionate about whatever they, um, whatever company or product or brand they were representing. And it was always, every conversation I had was a fun one, a really engaging and dynamic one. Um, And then also this was actually my first event, uh, that there were so many like happy hours going on during the show, and I just thought that was so cool. Um, I'm from Austin, Texas, and we love our beers, we love our happy hours, we love our brunches. Um, so it was cool to see kind of that culture uh, in you know kind of more of like a professional space. It was just really awesome to be able to chat with people um, as they stopped by with you know their various alcoholic beverages, and just it was just such an informal setting. Uh, which was really nice for me because I had never experienced Enterprise Connect before. So it's a lot easier to talk to someone about the science of bone conduction when they have like a margarita in hand um, and you don't have to use as many like a big words. You can kind of like talk with your hands and it's just, you know, um, I was also living vicariously through them. I didn't get a chance to take a sip um, during the show, but I was like, I am so glad y'all are able to take a sip. (laughs) That's like a nice, you know, that's a nice change of pace. Um, But, yeah, the conversations I had with so many people were just really enlightening. Um, Everyone was, agreed, super welcoming. And I just, I honestly just love uh, Florida, so it was just fun to just be back in Orlando. Um, And, you know, just it was awesome that we're able uh, just kind of, you know, as an industry to come back together in person and do stuff like that safely. Um, I I felt very safe the entire conference as well. So that was also really awesome for me. Um, But the one negative, speaking of being from Austin, um, and I kind of, already alluded to this uh, earlier before we started recording, but Florida's got to get more recycle, recycle bins. Like, I want to be able yeah. to recycle wherever I am, and I was struggling with finding uh, recycling receptacles. Um, so, you know, me being my little, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a child of the 90s. I'm all about Captain Planet, and I just kept all of my stuff. Until I got back to the hotel where I knew I could recycle them, <laughs> so I was, like, you know, I was having like a little moral dilemma there. But maybe uh, next Enterprise Connect there will be some recycling bins here and there.
0: Tim and I are are shaking our heads because when you say "child of the '90s," we're like, "Oh yeah, we had graduated." Well, one of us had graduated <laughs> no, from college. I'm shaking my
1: head at Captain Planet. Just, just you know that that was, yeah.
2: Yeah, what y'all know about the reruns on Boomerang? 6 a.m. before school, Captain Planet. Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. (laughs) We're going to reduce, reuse, and recycle, okay? (laughs) Exactly.
2: That had me convinced. I was saving the world, honey. I was doing it by myself. I was like...
3: And we are. And we are. We're doing our part.
1: I love this so, so, just so you two know normally when Bradford's on he's the one that takes control and I love the fact that he and I have both lost control and you two are talking about saving the planet this is fantastic <laughs> yeah um, I'm going to take
0: just... the rest of the day off put...
1: uh, me too I'm, yeah. I'm out Brad, you, you guys yeah, y'all and look good. Me and Paige, take we um, got this this
2: is our show now thank you we're um, on it
1: <laughs> so really quickly so Bradford I'm going to have you come in and, and, and kind of give your two cents but then I'm going to ask all three of you kind of an overarching question so your first technically your first one. I mean, I think you said you, you you were at one for like ten minutes once. Um, what was your reaction, your your takeaway from from Enterprise Connect as a first like real attendee for the first time?
0: So I'm gonna put on both my former manufacturer hat and sort of media, sort of consultant hat. So it's kind of a multifaceted answer, if you will. First of all, I think half the people didn't know what they were talking about because they used too many abbreviations, and any time I was about to stop them, I realized it's not going to make a difference. Tim and I actually sat in a couple things going, what the heck is our, our last meeting
1: was like that. It was nothing yeah. but. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I stopped asking. You can't use that word if you can't define <laughs> it because I was like, we'll be there till Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the so there was that the other thing that was interesting that was surprising to me was how much call center there was and what the focus Mm -hmm. of the show is for us in av we think enterprise connect we're thinking boardrooms and unified communications and headsets to do remote meetings and comfortable chairs and stuff like that and the amount of call center headsets We've seen this huge call tracking, call metrics, call this, call that, customer outreach, customer in track this, track that. It's like Salesforce yeah. was there, Slack was there. It was as much about the metrics of communication as the actual hardware itself. You well, about-
1: And Zoom even, Zoom's one of their new products they, they rolled out was a call center you know yeah. Uh, product.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there was a whole bunch of call center products there and I think about half the meetings we took were about call centers, Tim. Yeah. Cuz we went to a bunch of meetings together and so that kind of surprised me. I also think it is a show that is squarely aimed at IT integrators and teams yeah. and not I'm not going to say not true AV people because that'll start a huge argument, especially yeah, on you, Sunday morning. You want to do the Nettos. AV is
2: IT thing right now? Like, we could do it.
0: <laughs> we can do it because I still say AV is not IT and IT is not AV. The two are, are, are siblings, but they're not the same. But the whole, you know, there were people there who was like, who's Harmon? Who's, you know, QSC? I've never heard of these people. There were. Yeah. But there were there was also us who was like, what you know, I know what deck is, but I'm willing to bet you half the people don't, mm-hmm. and you know, see pass and and wow. all these things. So I think it's it's a very adjacent industry where some companies are focused on the remote connectivity and workplace equity, as it's now being called, or equity experiences of same at home as at the office, and the rest was. You know, let's make phone calls. Like Ring Central was there, Zoom was mm-hmm. there, Google was there. Stuff that is not straight hardware, a, an AV. It was a lot of, of. I'm gonna say cool things like the shock stuff that I like because yeah. now, because I've you know can hear stuff and hear the call and it's not uncomfortable. And I say that not because Paige is here, but because. <laughs> Tim has a pair for running. I've used similar things, but that type of stuff was interesting to me. I've never seen so many headphones and calls, you know, USB interfaces in my life. Maybe Mobile World Congress is more, uh, but I also think it is an area where AV integrators have a chance to get into, and as a expanding revenue stream because of noise masking acoustic treatment in call centers better interfaces more comfortability better viewability stuff like that that is very important that isn't actually being talked about the other thing that was unique to me was seeing a lot more appliances as a, compared to devices and i'm going to be really careful and define appliances versus devices I have a computer sitting on my desk. It can do many, many things. It can do, do teams. It can be zoom. It can be go to meeting. It can be take your platform. I can use it to play video games. Whereas an appliance only does one task and does it well, much like a toaster does. So like there's a zoom appliance that, that Tim and I saw, there's a, there uh from next that was like oh this is perfect tim was like i want one for my desk and me as the nerd i'm looking at it going well i could do this it, yes it was, tim?
1: it was called neat
0: neat sorry neat. it's from yeah. Neat. i'm sure tim has has a video of all of the ladies are shaking their heads and i'm like yeah that looks really cool that would be something i would want and then i found the price and i'm like I can, I'm a nerd. I can make my own for less, which is what most AV people would do. But Tim puts on the corporate management IT hat and goes, yeah, but if I'm an, a, an IT guy, I just put one at every desk like a phone and it's worth the price of admission. So Absolutely. it's a very different model than, I don't want to say typical AV, but the AV I'm more used to dealing with where it's more engineered than commodity, and I don't think that's a yeah. bad thing or a good thing. It's just a thing. It's like there's strawberry, vanilla, chocolate, and chocolate chip mint ice cream. They're all good. They're all mm-hmm. bad. They're each just their own thing.
1: Just for the record, mint ice cream is not bad in any way, shape, or form.
3: Um, <laughs> oh, I have to disagree.
1: Uh, See? All right. <laughs> um, so th- this is, I'm just going to ask this overarching, and because and Bradford kind of got into it for a second. Sure. I'm going to name off some, some companies and I, I'm probably going to forget some people and I'm, and that's okay. But I, the, the ones that I counted were like, sure. Atlas Sennheiser, Biamp, poly D10 shocks. You know, these are the folks that, that I've seen at infocom that I've mm-hmm. seen at CES. Cause page is right. Um, yeah. we'll see them at ISC. A lot of them, uh, Bradford. And I met with a number of manufacturers that were there. I'm going to say serendipity, you know, um, um, uh, kind of sneakily, but they were there and hanging out and, and, and checking out. They've, they've exhibited in the past. Any one of you three can can take this, or all three of you can take this. What does this say about our our the AV side of this industry and, and kind of where our folks belong, where the 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 folks that are you know making this happen on the, on the front lines? Where do we belong in this UC space?
2: I think that many companies in our industry are still trying to figure that out right like we carried in a lot of ways like we carried us through covid like it was up to us and we did that but i feel like now with this trade show we're trying to figure out where we're trying to be with ucc post covid it was like okay well we got everyone through it so what now like what are we going to make is it is it that av companies need to decide that they're going to be Everything companies that they're going to be glue companies that they need to make the mic, that they need to make the camera, that they need to make every piece of a UCC setup, or is it going to be that we need to decide that we're going to be niche and maybe we are do we need as big of a presence at a show that's like typically IT? I think that a lot of the reason why there weren't more typical AV companies at this show is like we're just not really sure where our footing is in the new normal yet.
3: Yeah, I have to kind of completely echo that. And also just speaking from the side of things where Shox is actually primarily known as like a sport headphone company. We really had never been in like the B2B or professional side of industry whatsoever. Um, you know, of course, tech savvy people or professionals would use our sport headphones, um, but it's almost kind of as if COVID kind of helped inform our product and our target audience, even kind of in this you know, new normal that we're all experiencing. Um, It actually kind of pushed us to develop a product that kind of met people's needs, met professionals' needs where they needed to be met at the time. Um, And it it really was kind of almost kismet. But uh, we had no idea that a headset was going to be as sought after as it was, especially coming from a company that primarily focuses on runners and cyclists and athletes. Um, But it's just been really interesting to see how, as we're all collectively kind of trying to figure out where we fit and how we can best serve the end user. Uh, I feel like it's really also kind of, at least for shocks, kind of helped redefine us as a brand. What exactly are we, are we offering? What should we offer? Um, and is our sport headphones, our kind of sport equipment and gear the only thing we should be doing? And I think we kind of have already answered, like, absolutely not. You know, we should really be diversifying a little bit more on our product line. Um, and honestly, it just helps us kind of listen to our customers a bit more. Uh, so many of them moved out of, you know, traditional offices. So many more of them are traveling nonstop while they're working. Um, And it was just, it was really awesome to be able to provide them with a product that absolutely met their needs at the time. And it's just so exciting to see at least OpenCom specifically kind of still being used and carried on into this new normal, into this hybrid workspace and culture that our society is shifting toward. And I mean, it's also really exciting to see how the headset is being used in so many different applications, whereas originally we were focusing on AV and call centers and traditional offices. But now it's quite literally wherever you call work, wherever you decide to, you know, you know, use a desk or use a standing i don't know like your table at starbucks because you're waiting for your order um it's just really awesome to be able to kind of allow this this circumstance to kind of help mold us as a company and and kind of really show us the path forward
0: i agree with a lot of what the ladies have said uh i think also that av and many av companies have and Little spoiler: I talk about this during a rave uh, AV 101 I recorded this morning. So make sure you tune into that, because once again you get to hear me being brilliant. Uh, but I think it it reinforces the either people don't know what's available or what's good enough. Uh, you know, there's some cool technology for conference rooms and collaborations because the word equal experience or equity experience for those who are sitting in the conference room versus those remotely. For, for me, I know the problems of doing that because what happens is you get the people who have like the little side conversations over here that you can't hear and you don't see what's on the board, all those things. It's one of the problems with distance learning. And AV, a lot of these companies have good solutions that put everything together so that the camera follows the speaker, which many people have and is great. But is you know the microphone not picking up the desk sounds and being able to target to who it is? Yes, there are ways to do that. But having a company that says, okay, let's put this all together and do it well. Let's create the experience of all being in the same room even though we're not and i think a lot of av companies have technologies that will do it but haven't shown it off or approached it as here's how we can make your experience better and it's one of those things where for instance one of the things i miss Is when I was doing drawing reviews, we used to do it analog, have big sheets of paper, flip it over, eight people stand around the table and mark it up. And then, you know, you had your comments doing that now electronically is not the same because A, you're looking at it, you have to look at the person or at the drawings, or then you do two monitors. Well, not every video platform supports two monitors. How do you annotate it? Stuff like that. But then you look at some of the companies that have the smart whiteboards or the large smart touch screens, and you're like, this can give me that flexibility, but no one's kind of doing the, here, let me make this better for you. And I think that's the opportunity that a lot of AV companies have in front of them that they haven't taken yet. You know, I have seen a whole bunch of products. I've seen various applications, and I'm looking at this going, Okay, I like this product. I want a 65-inch touchscreen that I can lay down flat to become a drafting table, and look at a, a C or D size drawing or even an E size drawing on it, and be able to mark it up instead of having to either do it on my tablet or my screen, which vertical, not horizontal, which isn't necessarily natural. And I think that's where we as an industry are kind of missing. And I do think and You're gonna swear I'm channeling Danto here, who we did see there. This is this is one of those times where our industry associations can help. Because if the IT and telephony people don't know we have these expertise, they're never gonna ask for it. They're never gonna know things can be better. You know what I mean? It's well, all MP three all music sounds bad now. Well no, it's just poorly compressed mp3s not all you know if we can improve that whether it be custom programming for auto auto meeting starts because we saw a lot of scheduling stuff or microphone situations or even an auto mixer to go and have everyone in a room on a headset is like that would be amazing but no one has sat down and gone hey let's let's do this and i see that as how we as av can can fit in is take it from good enough to let's you know make this so that equity happens between the the home office and the office office which is oh bad phrase but the corporate office there we go and that the experience is better for everyone because i know we've all had bad meeting experiences both (laughs) in person and virtual any meeting i'm in right is like always going to be the best but and, and the longest. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> you knew before you invited me. I know, and uh, you could always cut me off, as you said.
1: I can't. I don't think you because everything you're saying is smart, and I and I'm not going to say anything smarter. So, um, <laughs> our last story, our only other story, um, is a bit of M and A, uh, mergers and acquisitions. Uh, Bradford, to yeah. follow along with your your rule, uh, Crestron. <laughs> is buying mm-hmm. one beyond or is, is, is they're entering into a strategic acquisition. Um, interesting play here. Uh, Crestron, you know, first of all, you know, uh, if you don't know Crestron, um, we can't help you. Yeah. ABO, you know, everything. Um, yeah. The only thing they didn't have though was cameras yeah. and they had partnerships. Right. Um, but the, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. It's a smart camera system. Uh, if you're not familiar with one, with one beyond, um, it's one of these folks that would make some of these meetings um, more interesting and equitable because they they follow you around and stuff. Um, but Steph, we'll start with you on this. What what do we sure. think of this of this acquisition?
2: Well, this is Crestron's first acquisition in a really long time. First of all, uh, like I think, like Gary and I were talking about, it. it's like been their first one definitely since I've been working full time for Rave. So it's been a long time, and I think that these big companies that used to work with other companies to make all of their products work, a lot of them are deciding, no, we actually want to be everything companies, which either goes really, really well or goes really, really poorly because they realize they're not great at doing everything. So I don't really know how I feel about it yet. I think that it's just going to take time for me to, and maybe for me to just see and, and use their products and see if I like them. But I don't know. It's an interesting time in AV. I will say that because I do think a lot of these companies are trying to make the executive decision that they want to be everything companies, and I probably don't agree that they should be.
1: Yeah, there there is some there's some wisdom to that. There's you know there are partnerships for a reason, right? And mm-hmm. and being everything to everyone, uh, this is certainly the the first um, the first significant acquisition since Dan Feldstein took over uh, yeah. as CEO. Um, and and so it'll it'll be interesting to see how they they wrap these two together, um, Paige. Uh, from your perspective and your point of view, how do you wrap two companies together that are have two separate like product lines and and quite frankly they they've had two separate go to meeting oh go to meeting go to uh, go to market strategies. So how yeah. do you kind of bring two desperate folks together?
3: Yeah, I think the best. You know, starting point is to try to understand your target audience, your demographic, and try to understand what solution are you actually bringing with this merger, with kind of combining these two different and maybe even sometimes polarizing brands, companies, products. Um, I think if you start from the perspective of the end user, um, that is the best way to then branch out and see how exactly do our two different companies, how merging them is actually going to be able to best kind of fit the solution for whatever is going on. And I know that um, at least for shocks, going back to the fact that, you know, this is our first headset versus a headphone. um, We tried to figure out how is this good for all of our customers, right? Because not all of our customers need a headset and not all of our customers need a headphone, but I think um, really leaning into kind of what Steph was mentioning, not necessarily being an everything company, but using that everything data is really key really understanding that your end user might need everything and if you might not be able to meet all of those requirements but still whatever you're specializing in whatever kind of assets and kind of two brand identities you're trying to merge to at least check off most of those boxes is really kind of where we like to start in that thought process Um, because obviously we can't be everything for everyone. And I actually think there's a lot of power in niche com- in niche companies. Um, that's kind of what Boeing Conduction is, is already a niche industry in itself. Um, but I think really kind of taking a step back and really thinking through what kind of problems are, is the end user having and does this merger create more problems for that end user or does it in fact create a solution? I think, mm. um, and then when you have that answer, then that's a way for you to kind of build out your product lines, maybe eliminate some products, maybe streamline others, um, I think is really kind of the, it's kind of like a working backwards approach, I would say. Um, but I think there's a lot of value in having two niche companies come together to have a few more niches, right, to be a little bit more mainstream. Um, but I also feel like it's, it's, it's just really important to understand what that consumer need is, um, what that what that industry need is. And if you know, you're able to in any way, apply your products, apply your company, apply your brand focus and mission in that way, for them to actually be able to access those assets in a more like, Oh, I can get all of these things from this one company. Now, I feel like that's really the sweet spot. And also understanding that you might not be able to hit all of those markers. Um, Kind of exactly what Steph was mentioning, I think uh, companies just really need to be cautious in being everything companies. Um, But I think there is a lot of beauty in understanding I might have two competing companies, two different, you know, just different brand identities. How can we meet in the middle with those identities? And in turn, how does that help the end user feel like they have more solutions versus the many problems that they were already facing? Um, Just working backwards, really keeping your end user in focus and really understanding kind of just you know, almost reading the room, right? Reading the industry, what solutions are needed and how do the, how does this merger address those solutions? And honestly, if it doesn't, um, let's maybe rethink the merger, right? Let's maybe right. rethink um, what the, our product offerings, our service offerings. Uh, so I really think keeping that end user and keeping the industry in mind is, is key um, to successfully bridging two different companies or even two similar ones. Um, just kind of, yeah. just. That working backwards method would be my recommendation for you know just making sure that you're handling your customers and your industry needs
2: i will also say that av is a, like a an industry that's all about brand loyalty like you know we have our microphones we like we have our headphones we like we have our cameras we like like particularly in the ucc space like i know what i like and i'm probably not going to switch it out unless i'm like heavily convinced and so I just think it's really hard for these, like, particularly big AV companies, to come in and be like, "Actually, we're just going to make everything now and expect people to like buy it because they already know them from this other thing." Like, I just, I think that's gonna, that's really hard. Even though that seems to be a significant trend that's happening right now, I think it's going to be really hard to sell people on, "No, no, we can just make everything because I already have the video." Like equipment that I like, I'm not probably gonna switch it out. So how are they gonna convince all their people who just want them for this one thing to switch out their what they're already using and happy with?
3: Right. I think that's also really key. Like when you do have a merger, when you have two separate companies or brands um, that are trying to kind of mesh together to provide an everything experience, right? I think it's also important to realize what you're doing well um, and not necessarily to change that. um, Also making sure whatever A or B company is kind of already excelling in that space, leaning into that, leaning into that success is really key to kind of get those early adopters, to get those brand loyalists to say, you know what, never mind. Maybe I will try this new product within one singular company. Um, I think if you can really just kind of lean into what you're already doing well and what already seems to be received well by your industry, not necessarily minimizing that, but saying, okay, this is how we're actually improving upon what you already love, what you already know. Um, I think there's also really, there's a power in that. Um, so I completely agree. Just kind of what exactly makes you different from what I already know and love? Um, and if you are doing what we already know and love, don't stop doing it, right? Like, don't yeah. just think because, you know, you're here to do anything and everything that you should stop um, this one specific niche or product or service that is already knocking it out of the park
1: bradford is somebody who did work for a we make everything company (laughs) um what what is your perspective because this is taking an interesting turn that i did not expect but what is what is that experience like exhibiting at ISE or infocom as a hey we make everything but the kitchen sink
0: uh difficult uh so as the lady said you have to focus on the customer and make things better for the customer and give them a reason to change and all too often, many large companies will go, well, this is something else we make and it'll work perfectly with our stuff. So of course you want to buy it. And my answer is, well, why? How is it making what I know better? Uh, Tim, you and I talked about brand loyalty even during the supply chain issues and brand loyalty is huge. And it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. Right. So, uh, so to me that plays into this but I also think it's especially for a company like Crestron that's based that's big claim to fame is control systems. Now having a smart camera system people are going to kind of pause and go, "Wait up, if I put in a Crestron system, will I be able to control this qsc tilt zoom once again something that's outside of their main focus but does make the system better for them and then they have pieces that patch into other manufacturers such as Shure and sennheiser and others so there's that thing going on of there's going to be a pause i think of everyone going so what's going to change because things are gonna change. Anyone who says they're gonna be run as two different companies with different profits and loss and all of that, I can show you so many years of that not happening. Uh, But I think the not taking the eye off of how am I making my customer's life better is Mm -hmm. the big thing. The hubris of many companies being, we have everything, why don't you buy everything from us? it ends up being a bad thing in the long run because the consumer doesn't necessarily get uh, innovation because of competition or doesn't get as broad of a canvas to be able to create from. I can tell you there are things I'll use Crestron for. There are things I'll use AMX for. There's things I use SmartThings for. There are things I use if this, then that. They're all automation. They're each aimed at different uses, but they all kind of win and work across platforms. You know, in the grand scheme of things, the best example I can use is the home voice assistants. Samsung has Bixby, yet they still integrate with Google and Amazon, even though they have their own voice. It's the best thing for their business. But I think that's the big thing, as both Paige and, and Steph said, of... It has to make the customer better. It has to give them a reason to change. You know, there's the joke I used to make of, look, you buy all this stuff, you have one neck to choke. And yeah, that's great. But then someone came back with the point. Actually, I came back with the point when someone was pitching me at my last employer. (laughs) Yeah, but if you do your job right, I shouldn't have to choke anybody. And that's kind of an interesting take that not every company looks at of the I can tell you this works great with that well why and I'm like I can tell you how the QSIS plugins allow you to work with Lab Group and allow you to work with Crown allow you to work with these other competing brands and that gives them a whole lot of power of becoming the whole system whereas as soon as you start buying everything in we all know the company I'm talking about but I have a do not disparage clause uh you know, things change and not always for the better. And I think Crestron has to be careful with this because while I'm not very, I'm not, I don't know every intricacy of One Beyond, the fact that there are other camera companies out there that have similar features means they're not the only solution and answer. You know, it's kind of like Google versus DuckDuckGo versus Ask Jeeves. Kids look that up. It's a, It's a search. Ask Jeeves still around? around?
3: I'm I'm old enough to remember Ask Jeeves, and I used to ask Jeeves many things. See,
2: (laughs) he's around but barely. He's got like one foot in the grave. Like he's he's hanging on, but (laughs) at what
1: cost?
3: I think Ask Jeeves walked so that Reddit could run. (laughs) (laughs)
1: And 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 Dig Dig is in there somewhere, just for the record, just to get all the old. All right, thank you guys. So much. I'm
0: still running my page on GeoCities. I need oh, more gifts. I love you!
1: All right, Steph Beckett, thank you so much. You're awesome. I appreciate you, even though I didn't get to see you in person. Um of I don't course. still don't believe you were there. Uh, uh,
2: you know, was I there? <laughs> yeah, I was. The, like
3: well, through virtual there, but conferencing. Yeah. Picture it yeah. didn't happen, Steph.
1: Picture it didn't <laughs> happen. Oh, Photoshop, page. Come on. I mean, we, <laughs> green I screen. I look like Brad Pitt. Just give me a half an hour. <laughs>
0: You must be really, rave. really great. Shut up, at <laughs> so How do
1: people connect with you or rave?
2: <laughs> you can connect with rave pubs on ravepubs.com. Uh, we are rave pubs on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all the social media, basically, and I am on all the social media as well at Steph L Beckett.
1: All right, very good. Thank you so much.
3: For shocks, you can always reach out on our website shokz.com. Um, and then we're on social at Shocks USA, um, or you can also find us at Shocks Canada. Um, and you can always find me on LinkedIn. My first name is Lillian, so I kind of cheated a little bit with my pen name, but it's actually really my name. You can find me at LinkedIn, Lillian Page-Turner.
1: <laughs> there you go. Mr. Bradford, Ben, thank you, sir.
0: Thank you for having me. Your pleasure is always for me to be here. Yes, sir. Uh, People can find me on the interwebs, uh, on various publications and podcasts. Uh, I'll be on a Rave Pubs podcast, AV101 with NSCA, in a couple weeks. Uh, at the AVN2 talk, talking about uh, during their keynote session with Tim about supply chain issues. I'm at Bradford Ben with 2 ends. I'm also the chief advisor at Advisors Group. Uh, that's advisist, A-D-V-I-S-I-S-T dot com. Not advisist, advisist. And, of course, you can find me on the Twitters making fun of Tim, typically lampooning his choice of football teams. Will not lampoon his choice of glasses, though. But I will lampoon the Bears because, while well, they lampoon themselves.
3: Oh, my uh, dad would hate to hear that, but you're not raw. <laughs> Go not Bears. Wrong.
0: To be honest, I have nothing against the Bears. It's Tim. You're
2: kind of outnumbered, Bradford, because I'm also Go Bears. I also did Soldier
0: Field as an audio system as one of my biggest projects, so I still like the Bears a whole bunch. It's just, it's Tim. You know, it's kind of like picking on your brother, Ford versus (laughs) Chevy if i don't pick on tim we have to leave it to matt as the world's worst canadian and well his jokes are a little meaner
1: because okay. he's just because he can't get out of the country that's why his is meaner all right <laughs> uh for uh, for me for tim albright don't follow me on the twitters because i will complain about the bears even though i will love them uh forever Uh, But go by the website if you would please, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others, including all of our coverage of Enterprise Connect. Bradford also mentioned uh, something that we're doing called abn 2 avnetworknation.com, April 5th. Uh, It is another uh, virtual event. Bradford's talking, I'm listening. Um, a lot. I've got a couple other sessions. One's on uh, audio, and one is on best business practices. So you can go to avnetworknation.com and sign up for that, uh, or go by, back by the website avnation.tv and find uh, Resi Week, uh, which is our buddy Matt Scott's weekly program on the residential. Uh, also look at um, Av Social, which is where Don Mead takes a look at marketing and communications and social for the AV industry. So all that and more at avionation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV week.